millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Today we have a nuclear revenge story of standing up to a bully. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, how my brother and I got back at our evil stepmother. This happened a long time ago when my twin brother and I were teenagers and I still burst out in laughter when I think about how we dealt with our stepmother who was trying to compete with the evil stepmothers we had read about in our storybooks as kids. Our mom died when we were six. We barely understood the implication of what had happened, but I remember daddy telling us that mommy had died while having our baby brother and she had gone to heaven to be with the Lord. We cried because everywhere had been gloomy and we'd seen a few guests in tears but we still weren't old enough to understand what had truly happened. We were more interested in holding the baby, who died barely a week after mom died too. It was a rough time for our dad. Our grandmother came to live with us for a while, but she left after some months. Not without asking dad to let us go with her numerous times. Dad wouldn't hear of it though. He couldn't leave his job and our grandmother lived in a different time zone. He assured her that he could take care of us and she left. My dad did a good job taking care of my brother and me, but he didn't have much time to date. Well, not until we were 12. His first serious girlfriend was a beautiful blonde woman who liked us. She never visited without buying us stuff that she knew we'd like. She bought my brother toys and different video games, and she bought me makeup and other pretty stuff. I was obsessed with makeup as a child, so it meant a lot to me that she bought them for me and let me practice on my own. Shortly after we started seeing more of my dad's girlfriend, They broke up and it hurt my dad badly. We found out that my dad's girlfriend had left him and returned to her ex-boyfriend. My dad stayed out of the dating scene for a longer while and didn't start dating seriously again until we were teenagers. He met someone and they started dating. Unlike his previous girlfriend, the new girlfriend was not nice. She exchanged pleasantries with us but that was it. She also never tried to do anything nice for us beyond that. She also had what my brother called a mean face. My brother didn't like her, but I did. Well, at first. I thought we only had to get to know her and we'd like her. We have to give her a chance. Don't you sometimes want a mom? I asked him. He looked at me like I was being the most ridiculous person ever. Yes, I want our mom, not a random woman. She's not a random woman, she's dad's girlfriend, and we are not getting our mom back. My brother was not interested in seeing things my way, so I let it go. I was happy when my dad told us he'd be marrying his girlfriend. I was happy mostly because many people, especially dad's siblings, would always tell us to tell our dad to put himself out there and then ask us if we didn't want to have a mom. Sometimes they said it in accusatory tone, as though it was our fault that he wasn't taking his dating life very seriously, and we were the only ones who could remedy that. As we spent more time with my dad's fiance, I started to see why my brother did not like her. Not only was she not interested in being friendly with us like my dad's ex-girlfriend, but she was quite simply uninterested in us at all. Except for the time when my dad introduced us to her, and she repeated our names after him and nodded at us like she was being introduced to people at a formal event. I never quite heard her call our names. She would nod at us or extend her hands coldly to us. Still, I hoped that when she married my dad and moved in with us, things would be different. 
Dad had called us and asked that we honestly tell him if we wanted her in our lives and in our home. My brother and I nodded and said yes, but I only did that because I was already worried that my dad resented us for not having a social life. I didn't want to get in the way of his marriage to a woman he was clearly in love with. There was a storm the day my stepmother moved in with us, and if I were as much of a spiritual person as I am now, I'd have known that it was not a good sign. She and our dad had a quiet wedding, and only two of their friends were present as witnesses. Well, that was what we thought, until we saw the wedding pictures when they returned from their honeymoon and saw that my stepmother's daughter was at their wedding. As a child who was very interested in weddings and that sort of stuff, I'd looked forward to wearing my makeup. My dad hardly allowed me to wear makeup, except on special occasions, and dressing up. I cried all the way to my dad's bedroom. Can we discuss this later, he begged. I promise we will discuss this later. I stormed out of their room and slammed the door, but I didn't leave immediately. I told you not bringing my kids was a bad idea, I heard my dad say. I didn't think kids particularly cared about watching their parents marry someone else. He says, your daughter came. I heard my stepmother say something and then footsteps, so I walked away hurriedly. Knowing that my stepmother convinced my dad to not let us attend the wedding pissed me off, and that was the end of my trying to be nice to her. Before that, I'd try to be all nice and sweet, but she'd remain cold and unfriendly. She must have noticed that I stopped trying, because she stopped being indifferent and became flat out mean to us. Especially me. Her passive aggression was glaring for anyone to see. But she was never like that when my dad was around. Whenever daddy was with us, she'd wear a polite plastic smile on her face and pretend to care. Of course, we couldn't be fooled. We knew just how she used to be mean to us, so we never smiled back or made any effort. We wore a scowl as usual and that would always annoy my dad. What is that frown for? Why are you wearing that scowl on your face? What's with the angry face? He would ask, his voice laced with irritation. We were mad at our dad for not seeing just how manipulative his wife was and he felt we were giving his wife a hard time in the home. Between that and my dad working hard to get a raise so he could provide for the size of the addition to his family, we hardly ever spent time with my dad again, and that drove a wedge between us. Things became worse when my dad got a job on the outskirts. He had to drive for two hours to and fro his office. That meant that he returned home very tired every evening, and we barely got to see him. During the day, my stepmother was in charge and she milked it. She was mean to everyone, even her daughter, who she ensured didn't have any relationship with us. She would yell at my brother and me, and especially me. She also made us eat vegetables all the time. It was as though we were vegetarians, and we knew she only did that to punish us because she was not a vegetarian. In fact, she ate a lot of junk meals and meat. It was so bad that sometimes she'd eat meat at the table and have us kids eat vegetables. This happens sometimes when her daughter's with us, but most times her daughter is away with her father. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. My brother complained on different occasions and refused to eat, but each time that happened, she called my dad and took the phone to their room so we wouldn't hear her. Then she'd return with a smug look on her face and put the phone on loudspeaker so my brother and I could hear my dad yell and threaten us over the phone. I go through a lot at work, trying to make enough money to take care of you all. How do you think getting calls at work about your rudeness affects the quality of my work? My dad yelled at my brother one evening after work. My brother muttered an apology and my dad ordered him to apologize to our stepmother. That emboldened her even more and every day we got served the most tasteless vegetable combination. The only time we got decent food was during the weekend whenever our father was home. We knew we had completely lost my dad when my brother and I were invited to a party. Our friend's brother was having a party and she invited us to her home. My brother and I hardly ever attend parties and our friend mentioned this when inviting us so she made a promise that we'd be there. When it used to be just us and our dad, he hardly ever let us go to parties so we just stopped asking. On our way home that day, my brother said it was important that we were at that party. We don't want to have that kind of reputation. He asked, what reputation? Well, everyone's going to see us as the kids who are never at parties. That's not a good rep. He was right. My dad wasn't at home when we got home as usual, so we told my stepmother about the party. My dad had made it clear to always ask for her permission and not interrupt his work at the office. You can't go, she said simply and continued filing her nails. I was about to give up, turn around and leave when my brother asked why. You just can't. It's a Saturday and we have to do some serious cleaning in this house. He said, yeah, but we clean in the morning. The party doesn't start until that evening. She says, well, after all that cleaning, you'll need to rest. We can rest when we return, I said, trying to hold myself back from bursting into tears. There was no reason for my stepmother to be that mean to us. I just couldn't believe that someone could be that mean and for no reason too. I'm sorry, but no. My brother and I walked away from her. We have to ask dad, I said to my brother. Surprisingly, he agreed, and toward the end of the day when we suspected that he'd be finished or almost finished with work, we called his office. Hey buddy, my dad said breezily. We could tell that he'd had a good day, so we mentioned the party to him. As usual, he told us that we knew who to ask. Dad, she said no. We will talk about this when I return, okay? Alright dad. My dad thankfully agreed to let us go to the party when he returned. You have to be home by 9.30, he said. The latest you can be is 10. I mean it. Okay, we chorused while my stepmother looked away, embarrassed. I never quite understood my stepmother. She was only ever nice to my dad and his guests. Outwardly, she looked gentle, calm, and unassuming, but she was mean-spirited and evil. That weekend, my dad went on a work trip and it was just my brother and I and our evil stepmother. Her daughter was also spending the weekend with her father. We got up early enough and did our chores so the evil woman would have nothing to hold on to and prevent us from being at the party. It worked, and that evening, my brother and I left for the party. We made our friend promise to make her cousin drop us at home by 9.50, and she kept to her promise. We were home some minutes to 10, and our stepmother was in the kitchen making a phone call. When my dad returned on Sunday evening, she told him that we returned home at midnight. It was the first time that someone ever told a lie against me, so I cried. My brother, on the other hand, was more angry at my dad for believing his wife. He yelled back at my dad and he grounded us both. It was clear that our dad was no longer on our side, and my stepmother took every advantage she could of that. 
I was a chubby kid growing up, so she'd call me fat and convinced my dad to stop me altogether from eating meat. I was not allowed to eat meat. The only time I ate meat was when my brother let me have some of his food. We can't keep letting this happen, my brother said to me one day. I know, but what can we do? We have to comply with her rules. Dad is on her side, I said helplessly. Well, we can make him turn against her. Dad would never turn against her. He is completely in love with her. He said that's true, but there's something dad loves more than he could ever love her. I said, who? He says, you. Me? Well, us both, but you're dad's favorite. I rolled my eyes. There's no way my brother was bringing up that long dead argument. My brother and I decided on different ways to get revenge on our stepmom, and the first thing we did was sneak into their bedroom one day and take a diamond necklace that my dad got her after the wedding. What are we going to do with it now? I asked him. On our way to school the next day, my brother and I gave the necklace to a homeless woman. My dad got a promotion and he wanted to celebrate with very few of his colleagues, so my stepmother suggested a dinner at our home. We were not invited, of course, but we could be in the house or anywhere else apart from the dining room. My stepmother loved to think of herself as a trophy wife. She'd said many times that her job in the house was to look pretty. On special occasions, she loved to dress up and since she was hosting this one, she decided to wear her diamond necklace. She looked everywhere for it and when she did not find it, she immediately told my dad that my brother and I had taken it. We were in the kitchen with my dad when she said that. That's ridiculous, my kids don't steal. She says, I think they did this to punish me. My brother and I had a puzzled look. Did you take her necklace? No, of course not. My brother and I chorused at the same time. We were playing her own game against her and wearing an innocent face. I looked up and flashed her a grin. They took it, she just smirked at me. I did not smirk at you, I exclaimed, looking at her in fear. My dad took her hand and led her to their bedroom. I heard her yelling and then she came out and slammed the door. My brother and I smiled at each other. The air was so tense and my stepmother was so upset that when the guests started arriving, she couldn't wear her regular plastic smile and she probably felt like the ugliest woman in the room without her precious necklace. As time passed, things started to get missing from her closet. Her shoes, jewelry, and even makeup Each time she noticed, she and my dad would fight about it and we'd of course pretend to be innocent. My brother pointed out that it wouldn't be long before our dad started to suspect that we did all those things, so we decided to make her look crazy. We took one of her necklaces and kept them in one of the kitchen drawers where my dad kept minor tools for plumbing. When she was looking for it one weekend, my dad asked if she looked everywhere and she yelled that she had. Almost a fortnight after that day, my dad found the necklace in the drawer and they fought. I'm sure your children hid it there. He said, yeah, and they saved all of your other missing stuff in the garage. I'm sick of you falsely accusing my children or messing with you. Not only did our plans drive a wedge between my dad and stepmother, but it also gave her something to worry about and kept her from bothering us for a while. To drive home the point, my brother and I started acting more withdrawn in school, and we told the school counselor that our stepmother was always accusing us of theft. We told them about the time she lied against us, and I mentioned how she constantly shamed me for my weight. My school counselor was upset, and she called my dad. I don't know what she told him, but my dad was furious when he got home. For the first time, I saw my stepmother in tears, and boy did that satisfy me. I like to believe that the numerous fights that were born out of what we did were what pushed my dad to cheat. He met someone at work, a pleasant woman, and they started going out. 
Not long after, my dad asked my stepmother for a divorce and she was really bitter about that. Nothing made me happier than wearing the smirk she used to wear each time she got us in trouble with our dad. Imagine being so against somebody who is apparently your stepparent that you're happy that your biological parent went out and cheated on them. A little bit of fist pumping going on when the thought comes to mind that you drove your own father to cheat. I get it, it's just kind of funny to take a step back and analyze. That said, our next story is, I finally stood up to my bully in revenge. Middle school was definitely a strange time in my life. It's like everyone was figuring themselves out, trying to blend in and not stand out too much, me included, and that's where my story with Sheldon started. In the hallways filled with lockers and echoing laughter, where friendships formed and, unfortunately, cruelties also took root. Sheldon was one heck of a character, no doubt about it. Tall and sort of awkward, he always had this mischievous glint in his eye, like he was cooking up something crazy, and most times he was. His pranks were his trademark, a way to grab attention even if it made people scratch their heads. You could say it was his means to stay relevant and afloat in the cruel world of middle school. I mean, we were all just trying to figure out how to not sit alone in the cafeteria or be paired by the teacher when you can't find anyone to be on your team for sports and projects. Middle school was heck, and I was in that heck. Now, think about it this way. I'm just going about my day, doing my best to fly under the radar, when suddenly I feel my backpack straps cinch tight. Confused, I turn around, and there's my backpack hanging from a doorknob, like some kind of messed up flag. Laughter erupts all around and I'm left there, burning with embarrassment wanting the ground to swallow me up. Sheldon's just standing there, grinning like he's just won the lottery. And that was just the beginning. That prank was like a starting pistol for the laughs and taunts that followed. Suddenly, I was the target, the kid everyone pointed and laughed at. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I couldn't let that slide, you know, so I tried to fire back with sarcasm and comebacks. To prove I wasn't an easy mark, it was like I had to show I could dish it out too, that I wouldn't be the one left feeling small. Looking back, it's crazy how that stupid prank set off a chain reaction. Maybe Sheldon didn't plan for things to turn out that way, but they did. And that was the beginning of my undoing all of middle school. It's like a reminder that even the little things we can do mess stuff up even if we don't mean them to. It was more like he took credit for what he didn't do to elevate his status as the grade's prank lord, or something like that. We were kids and it was dumb. But that dumb little thing cost me the two friends I had. No one wanted to be associated with someone who was the cause of laughter all day and week. That one prank began the charade of pranks that came after. Leg in the janitor's cleaning bucket, missing notes, and usual class accidents that weren't so much of an accident. But life isn't really static as it were. We grew up and had to come to high school. And it's high school. All things have shifted. Well, maybe not all things, but a couple things changed. And I couldn't be happier that I was one of the things that changed before we began our freshman year. 
Before high school, things took a turn for me. You see, that awkward phase everyone goes through in middle school, well, I hit a growth spurt right after that. Puberty kicked in big time and suddenly I wasn't just the same old me. I worked on my body, hitting the gym and doing my best to get fit. It's like I went from a caterpillar to a butterfly. Only instead of wings, I gained muscle. I transformed in a way that made me more confident. And yeah, people noticed. Suddenly I wasn't just the guy who got pranked by Sheldon, I was someone they wanted to know, someone they looked at differently. It worked out in my favor that I was away for the summer to stay with my grandparents, even though I didn't want to before. I came back for the night before the first day of high school. It was like I was a new person. Some folks even thought I was a new guy altogether. I guess that's what happens when you go from the shy, easy target to someone who's got presence. High school started with a bang for me, in more ways than one. My physical transformation had people talking, and suddenly I had a different kind of attention. It wasn't just about the pranks anymore. It was like I'd flipped the script. At least on the outside I changed. That was a bit far-fetched to say about my inside. I was still hurt and pissed that Sheldon made me the center of his prank that day. I guess Sheldon changed too. He wasn't that clumsy prankster guy anymore. He had this confidence about him. And this confidence had him being able to own not being the most popular guy in school. It's like he shed his old skin and emerged as someone new. Someone who isn't afraid to stand out. The fact that he thought he could stand out and still be left alone bothered me a lot. I mean, where was this ideology in middle school? Why didn't he think to leave me the heck alone? Sheldon remained blissfully unaware of the profound role his past actions played in the tumultuous path that unfolded before me. His juvenile pranks, conceived without a hint of malice, had inadvertently erected the scaffolding of my agonizing ordeal. With a heart simmering with a blend of anger and determination, I decided that if he did not think to leave me alone when we were in middle school because he had the upper hand, why should I? It meant one thing, pay him in the exact coin he had paid me. The blueprint for my revenge was etched into the recesses of my mind, every detail aligned with calculated precision. This was no ordinary retaliation. It was a deliberate strategy to lay bare the vulnerabilities he had conveniently overlooked. I yearned for Sheldon to grasp even a fragment of the anguish that had gnawed at me, to walk a mile in my shoes and confront the demons he had unwittingly summoned. Each prank, each maneuver, was a deliberate step toward my ultimate goal. It was a relentless pursuit to orchestrate circumstances that mirrored the agony I had endured forcing Sheldon to confront the discomfort that once defined my existence. The hours I spent concocting the pranks were invested with a fervent belief that he must experience firsthand the psychological scars he had unintentionally inflicted upon me. Innocent in their inception, my pranks gradually evolved into calculated pieces of poetic justice. I delved into the depths of his psyche, discerning his unspoken fears and vulnerabilities. Armed with this knowledge, I laid the foundations for my intricate revenge. The essence of retribution was not just about causing temporary embarrassment, it was about delving into his soul, making him taste the bitter concoction he had inadvertently brewed. As my designs unfolded, I reveled in the element of surprise, a sensation I'd been denied during my own torment. My first move was subtle, an innocuous rumor whispered among the grapevine, strategically targeted at Sheldon's Achilles heel his irrational fear of spiders. Cunningly planting a plastic arachnid within the confines of his backpack, 
I watched with bated breath as his once confident demeanor momentarily quivered, replaced by a flicker of unease. The passage of time only amplified the intricacies of my revenge. Sheldon's locker, a symbolic fortress of his supremacy, became my canvas for creative retaliation. Armed with a whoopee cushion the size of my palm, I ensured that his unlocked locker harbored an explosive secret. Gales of laughter resonated through the hallway as his face contorted in a mix of bewilderment and chagrin, mirroring the humiliation I had once endured. I might have been wrong in playing around with something I knew he feared that much, but you could say I was blinded by my immature thirst for revenge. I didn't care that that little prank on his fear of spiders could have resulted in something more. Thankfully, it didn't. It was just a good day for laughs in the hallways, and he was now the guy that was scared of harmless spiders. I could have stopped after that first spider attack, but did Sheldon stop after the backpack hook? He didn't, so why did I have to be the bigger person? I guess we could all be petty, and when it comes to petty, I could be the king of petty. And my artistry wasn't limited to practical jokes, it extended to calculated manipulation. Aware of Sheldon's daily routine, I executed plans to disrupt the predictable cadence of his life. His addiction to vending machine chips provided the perfect opportunity. Swiftly, I swapped the contents of his snack bag with roasted coconut chips that I'd seen him squeeze his nose in disgust at before. With every prank, a surge of vindication washed over me. The embodiment of my revenge was rooted in the transformation I sought to induce in Sheldon. No longer the invincible jester, he now found himself entangled in the web of his own mischievous designs. The classroom, once his kingdom of humor, transformed into a theater of poetic justice. The highest peak of my vengeance echoed through an unexpected event, a school assembly where Sheldon was to serve as the speaker for this committee. The arrogance he exuded was palpable, a glaring bullseye for my calculated retribution. Concealing a whoopee cushion beneath his seat, I seized the opportunity to orchestrate a grand finale. As his opening lines merged with the blaring sound of a farting whoopee cushion, the auditorium erupted in a symphony of laughter. Sheldon's humiliation, a reflection of the ignominy I'd once endured, was the pinnacle of my meticulously executed revenge. It was childish, I know, but I had to do it. I was on a mission to not only level the playing field, but to instill a dose of empathy within him. The one who once held the reins of mockery was now ensnared by the very webs he had spun. As the symphony of pranks progressed, Sheldon's demeanor underwent a profound transformation. The once impregnable fortress of his confidence began to crack, revealing glimpses of vulnerability that had long remained concealed. It was a sight that resonated deeply with me, a reflection of the stumbling blocks I had navigated myself. Watching him grapple with the same emotions I had once experienced was a source of quiet satisfaction, a rare moment of equilibrium in the chaotic dance of revenge. With every prank executed, I saw shades of the old me in his reactions. The widening of his eyes, the subtle flush of embarrassment, they were all markers of a shifting power dynamic. The balance of power, once firmly in Sheldon's grasp, was now teetering precariously. The very foundation of his self-assuredness was being eroded, and I couldn't help but take pleasure in the reversal of fortunes. I thought middle school was bad, but as I would get to see, high school was like ten times of that heck. This only meant one thing, whatever bullying I faced from mid-schoolers, it was just going to be a notch higher for Sheldon. 
The kids in high school were worse than those in middle school. It was almost like the devil within them gained more power and found better ways to act in the most dehumanizing way possible. It started with me playing the same stupid pranks on Sheldon that he had done to me in middle school, but I did not take a breather to realize that the same way people turned on me and made me the center of their heck, the same would happen to Sheldon, albeit in a stronger measure. Seeing Sheldon stumble was like witnessing the universe correct its course, a reckoning of some sort for the torment he had unintentionally inflicted upon me, becoming the chief initiator of my woes of my preteen years. The laughter that once followed me had now found its way to him, and it was like a salve to the wounds I had nursed for so long. The bitterness of my past experiences began to dissolve, replaced by a sense of empowerment I had never known before. In the midst of executing my pranks, I discovered an unexpected truth. The line between bully and bullied was far more malleable than I previously had believed. As the architect of his discomfort, I was, in essence, bullying the bully. It wasn't about a vicious cycle of revenge, it was about dismantling the pedestal from which he had taunted me, exposing his vulnerability to the same ridicule he had subjected me to. The evolution of Sheldon's demeanor became a blank sheet on which I painted my retribution. His once confident facade was now a patchwork of uncertainty, a mirror image of the insecurities he had indirectly nurtured within me. Every prank was a brushstroke, a subtle reminder that no one was immune to the very humiliation they propagated. My plan was no longer a mere retaliation, it was an act of recalibration, a journey toward equilibrium. The gap between tormentor and tormented was narrowing, and I felt a strange sense of solidarity with my unwitting accomplice. The laughter that once stung had now become a bridge, connecting us through the shared experiences, albeit from opposite ends of the spectrum. As the pranks escalated, so did my understanding of the complexities that drove human behavior. Sheldon's faltering confidence was a testament to the fragility inherent in all of us. A reminder that the roles we play are often far from permanent. The once indomitable Sheldon had become a case study in vulnerability, his reactions reaffirming that even the mightiest can be brought down to size. In the heart of my orchestrated chaos, I realized that revenge was not solely about settling scores. It was about affecting change, altering perceptions, and perhaps even sowing the seeds of empathy. The bullies of the world weren't invincible and the bullied weren't powerless. I was not powerless. All it took to get out of that stupid phase was puberty and tending more to my physical appearance while swearing out loud for being in a strange town with no one of my age group to hang with. To be honest, then it didn't make much sense. Years after, it still doesn't, but at that point in time, high school felt like a war zone where you either kill or be killed. And even when you try to kill, you cannot make it so obvious, else the entire school turns its back on you again. In that pivotal moment, my world shifted once again, this time propelled by a wave of stark realization. It was as if the universe had conspired to unveil the gruesome climax of a story that had taken unexpected turns. Witnessing the scene unfold before my eyes, I found myself thrust into a role I hadn't anticipated a bystander to a harrowing act of brutality. It was a chilling spectacle. My friends from the football team cornering Sheldon, a victim of circumstances, his presence, the unfortunate consequence of being in the wrong place at the wrong time, the merciless blows rained down on him, 
and all Sheldon could do was absorb the punishment, his silence echoing louder than any cry. He took it all, his spirit seemingly shattered, but in that moment I saw his eyes, defiant, unyielding, and proud. The sounds of fists meeting flesh reverberated throughout my mind, an echoing reminder of how far the tide of torment had surged. It was as if the true magnitude of our actions had been unleashed before me, a stark revelation of how our jests had transformed into something monstrous. It was a reality I could no longer ignore, a truth that had taken root within me, urging me to bridge the chasm between us. It all became stupid, really stupid, and I wanted it all to stop. He didn't deserve all of it. Guilt gnawed at my conscience, my past deeds haunting me like shadows cast by an unforgiving sun. Sheldon's battered figure before me was a testament to the beast I had unintentionally nurtured, a monster that now held both of us captive. It was in that moment of clarity that I knew I had to change the narrative to right the wrongs I had perpetuated. I reached out to Sheldon, extending a hand of understanding, and reminded him of what I'd faced in middle school, although it was nothing compared to what he took in high school. What followed was a kinship forged in the fires of shared adversity, an alliance between the bully and the bullied. It wasn't an alliance of convenience. It was a genuine friendship rooted in empathy and a shared quest for redemption. There was only one thing to do, and that was exactly what I did. The good thing was that I'd become something of a popular kid because, like I said, I'd grown and matured well into puberty, and I had my athletic genes working for me. They could not turn on me at that point. I had the grace of half of the school, so I could get away with a lot of things if I wanted to. So I did. I made sure Sheldon and I became two peas in a pod. Aside from the classes we didn't take together, we were always within a few inches of each other. The ploy was simple. With me there, they couldn't dare lay a finger on Sheldon. Of course, the whole prank and bullying didn't stop all at once, but it began to reduce till it finally became non-existent. The best guess is that they found somebody more vulnerable to their attacks, and Sheldon was off the hook. So, in the end, I guess my question is what OP flip-flopped on, although it probably is better than inciting more pranks and more bullying and literally this guy getting beat up, is what OP's doing that much better? Doesn't it kind of just sound like they've kind of taken it on as a charity case? Does OP actually have things in common with Sheldon? Or are they spending all this time making sure they're just inches away just because they feel bad? I'm just saying, is it all fake? But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.